When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to our first Wisdom Cricket Daily podcast from the 2023 World Cup. New Zealand have absolutely battered England in the tournament opener. They won the toss, put England into bat, took regular wickets and restricted England to 282 for nine, a target they blitzed thanks to a pair of rapid hundreds from Devon Conway and Ratchin Ravindra, two classy left-handers at very different stages of their careers, but both on World Cup debut. I'm Yaz Rana and with me to talk about that opening day thumping is Joe Harmon and Phil Walker. Um, we're going to do things a bit differently to usual. New Zealand was so good. We're going to start on them before getting to England. Joe, New Zealand were sensational. They only had 12 players to pick from because Williamson, Ferguson and Southie were all injured. And then they picked a team that I think everyone found a bit surprising in that they picked the extra batter in Mark Chapman, who didn't really have to do much as a specialist number seven, ahead of the extra bowling of um, Ish Sodi. And from... Not ball one, maybe ball seven after that first over. New Zealand were absolutely brilliant. Just an absolutely wonderful performance to to start the tournament. Uh, they'll be absolutely flying after this. To beat England and to beat them in that fashion, in that style, um, yeah, as you say, sensational. I, I, I think a lot of us were anticipating a, a close game and it wouldn't have been shocked if New Zealand had won, but for them to do it in that manner... Um, has really laid down a marker and obviously left England with some questions that we'll come on to. But I think you're right, good editorial call. It's it's a day for New Zealand, really. Um, it, it wasn't quite reminiscent of 2015 at Basin Reserve, but you know, not not that far off. It was so one-sided. And I think you're right, that that team looked a bit a bit bit party. I uh, wasn't sure there was enough frontline bowlers, as you say, not through choice, really, and that Southie and Ferguson were both out injured. You've got Glenn Phillips, then Burgles, a couple of wickets, what you bowled three overs and, and bowled Root and Moen in, in those three overs. Uh, yeah, England were contributed to their own demise with the bat, I would say. But with the bat, they were just something else. Both Conway and Ravindra, apparently very good friends, uh, teammates at Wellington. And as you say, very stylish, uh, utterly in control. When you have a partnership of that magnitude, you think, oh, there's going to be some drop catches somewhere along the way. It, or even some kind of big risks taken. But actually, I thought they absolutely strolled it. Mm. Um, yeah, just a brilliant, brilliant performance. Pretty much chanceless. Um, Phil, we're all suckers for classy left-handers, but that was something special from from both of them. Some extraordinary shots. Ravindra, um, who we'll get onto a little bit more in a second, that's his first international 100. He's predominantly played as a as a spin bowling rounder at seven or eight. The, the hook shot of Wood for six, 92 mile per hour bouncer, flat six, a straight six off Curran, uh, cover drive early off off Wokes. Just some extraordinary, uh, just stroke making. It was aesthetically as, as good an innings as you could ever see. Conway, you know what you get with him and he's great to watch. And as you know, you know, he's, we're a big fan of him on this show and all the rest of it. But uh, Ravindra was 
a sort of minor revelation here. Um, I saw he got sixty odd at, at Lords in the in the fag end of that ODI series, and he looked like a good player. And I was I was covering that game, and he looked good, and he looked like a natural timer of the ball. But my experience of him before that was a kind of doughty, cussed, you know, opening bat. And whenever you're a left-handed opening bat, there's always that assumption that you have to fulfil those sort of adjectives of being nuggety and all the rest of it. But he's clearly a fabulous player. He's what, 23, 24, 23? 23, yeah. Uh, steeped in the game. You know, famously, his first name is a portmanteau of, of Rahul and Sachin from his Cricket Mad family. And uh, some of the shots he played were breathtaking. The, the, the hook off his nose, that was 93, 94 mile an hour. It was 151 kph off his nose. He had ages to play it. Uh, but then he followed up about 10 minutes later with that on drive, just, well, straight drive, but slightly to the to the left of of the stumps. And it it had that perfect combination of, of orthodoxy and, and flamboyance, you know, that the really, really great players or the really top players have. And, and obviously he's just starting out, but there were shots in there that were unusually good. And he, he outplayed Conway with the eye test, at least. Conway then pushed away in the final half hour and took the piss. And it was marvellous to watch. Um, you've got to be dead inside or a sort of swivel-eyed nationalist to not enjoy that, right? You know, England have got blown away and we can come to that and, you know, sharpen your knives and all the rest of it. But that was, that was spectacular. Mm. Objectively spectacular. That is as good uh, a partnership of pure batsmanship as you could ever see. England sunk the place up with the ball. They bowled. They went, sorry, I, I just brought it up and then I've lost it. I think 38 boundaries in 36 overs. So they, eight of which went over the boundary. So they have bowled as bad as they as they will in this whole tournament. But nonetheless, I can, I'm, they're just all coming back to me. That shot on the up through, through square point um, mm. from Ravindra again, you know, just... Jaw-droppingly good, genuinely jaw-droppingly good. I thought it was a proper World Cup moment that I think the tournament not necessarily needs, but given that the the open you know the the opening hour or so was played in front of pretty much no one, um, the, the the way in which you got a guy here who's been talked about for a while. He played New Zealand under nineties. He was fast tracked into the A team, but this is his first significant performance, and to do that on the world stage against the reigning world champions in the first game of the World Cup. There's almost like an old school World Cup vibe to it where a young player is announcing himself on the world stage. Even though there's all this cricket you can play that's televised, it's actually this guy's announced himself in the World Cup, which I think is really cool. Yeah, and and it is his arrival. There's, I think it was maybe last year or the year before, Phil, you might remember, we did a feature on the next top test batter from each of the leading nations. Uh, and Ravindra was the one we picked out for New Zealand. But... It was very much based on potential and reputation more than stats at that stage. His record is fine, but it's, it doesn't jump off the page. But actually, it was also reflective of the fact that New Zealand didn't have a lot of uh, red ball batters coming through at that stage. But we've not really seen it at the top level. Uh, and I think he's maybe been a victim of the fact he bowls a bit. I mean, his, his record with the ball is not particularly good. But England, sorry, New Zealand have, have needed someone to do that job. He's gone on tours of the subcontinent and been... So I think he's batted as low as seven or eight. And, and that's not his game. This is the first time he's batted higher than six in an ODI. Obviously, he sees his opportunity with Williamson being out injured. And this is obviously the role that he should 
play mm. and I'm, and you know that was such good innings there's no question that he will he will keep his spot um uh, I did I did a bit of work in the ODI series before in, in England with some like legends of New Zealand cricket and they weren't sure if he was going to make the squad let alone make the first 11 and then there's another jump to imagine that he'd back in the top three and then another jump to imagine he'd strum 100 180 odd balls or whatever um it's just mar- marvelous really I was trying to think hundreds on day one of world cups uh and Martin Crow came to mind straight away in '92 in that tournament that kind of prefaces this one in, in terms of its format. And he made a hundred, and New Zealand weren't fancied coming into that tournament. He made a hundred. They beat Australia. They beat the well-fancied Australia defending champions. Uh, and then New Zealand went on and were very close to winning the thing. Um, so that's one that jumps out. Uh, and there's a nice kind of parallel, I suppose, mm. of what we've seen here. Um, just looking at the makeup of that New Zealand top seven with Kane Williamson coming back, suddenly that looks like an extremely strong top seven with Williamson coming back and Ravindra sort of emerging from nowhere. And um, we had a question from Mike who said, "What's the cash out on Phil's Conway bet?" <laughs> well, 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 well. Um, I don't believe in cash outs. I believe in in getting it right to the bitter end. So there won't be any cashing out, but. I'm feeling quite chipper today. And a word for Barney. Uh, I call him oh, Barney. My Can words. you explain what, what happened there? Barney, nonchalant, pink short wearing, um, office junior, put uh, a couple of pennies on Ravindra on a whim this morning. In fact, no, it was inspired by our office sweepstake. So Ravindra's in his in his sweepstake. So I thought, you know what, he'll double down on it, put put a few quid on this morning to be top runs in the in the innings, walks off 125 not out, whatever it is, and doesn't even <laughs> win. And to rub salt in the wound, uh, also got player of the match as well. Um, yeah. He doesn't seem unduly fussed though, Barn. No, you know? he doesn't. No. We'll get him on the podcast. Pretty phlegmatic geezer. Yeah. Um, just on the side that New Zealand picked and their, appro- their subsequent approach because of the number of specialist bowlers, I guess, that they had. So... Because they only had Henry, Bolt and Santner as the three properly frontline bowlers, they then had 20 overs that had to be bowled by all-rounders. We talk a lot about what what aggression means in ODI cricket. I thought Latham was really aggressive. So the first 15 overs were bowled entirely by those three and England were going at less than fives by that point. And then he was really bold in bringing them back. He brought Bolt on for his seventh over with 20-odd overs to go. Henry comes on soon after, gets Butler at a really important stage, just as England actually looked like they could be able to post something around 330, 340. Bolt then gets Livingston with 11 overs to go. Um, and Latham potentially left New Zealand vulnerable in the last 10 because those two only had two overs to go each and Santa was pretty much at the end. But his first thought was always, how do we get wickets? And it paid off. Um, and all, th- all three of those bowlers, I thought, Bolt, Henry and Santner bowled really well. Santner, two for 37 off his 10, three wickets for Henry. Bolt, off that initial spell, was really good. Henry's got a really good record as well. He's, he's an underrated bowler. I think his test record is still weirdly poor, but mm. in 50-over cricket, he's he's a genuine frontline bowler. Uh, obviously bowled beautifully in the World Cup semi-final against India four years ago and has got better since then, I think. Mm. I thought this was partly why New Zealand is such a good tournament side, I feel like. They adapt their plan or side uh, depending on conditions or opposition more than anyone else. 
Um, it Although might... this time they didn't have much choice because they didn't have any fit players. So this was almost by accident. That's true, but they could have still played Sodi. Like it was a very bold yeah, thing to do, to do that. that. that and yeah. um, obviously that's not necessarily why they won this game, but Latham managed it really well. Um, and I feel like they're just a little bit more flexible than other sides. And there must be some reason why they, <laughs> they keep on getting to knockout stages at, at World Cups. Well, they've, it, got, they've got a winnable run of matches coming up, haven't they? Games that you'd expect them to win, whereas this one was, you'd say, well, maybe either or. You know, in four, in three games time, New Zealand could well have one foot in the semifinals already. They're just very, very good at this stage of tournaments. Yeah, and with the emergence of, of this kid, it changes the dynamic of their, their top five or six, you know, because we were saying a few days ago, it's it's functioning and it's useful and and it, they bat deep and there's versatile cricketers in there in Phillips and Mitchell and Nisham, etc. But perhaps it lacks a bit of that kind of pizzazz up top, uh, especially with Williamson still coming, coming back. Will Young, you know, good player, but not necessarily the kind of player that you'd look for. Well, suddenly the, this kid's just emerged out of nowhere, right? So it changes the complexion of their of their batting side mm. um, dramatically, really. And if Williamson is fit for the next game, or if not, then the game after, then perhaps, well, obviously he comes back in at three and then Ravindra, you would assume, goes up top. But then, as you say, there is various mm. other options. Yeah, they could, they could also, Chapman didn't, obviously, wasn't right. really required today. You, you could move drop Chapman and, and, and yeah, move them all down one. But actually, I think, you know, when Ravindra and Conway have batted like that, why not open the batting with them? Have Williamson yeah. at three. That looks like a great option to me. Just a word on Latham, as you say. Thought he did captain really well. He he was very standoffish in the one day series. I thought against England over here, uh, blown out the water here. He was inventive. He gambled with his selection um, to have three part timers, if you like. Uh, Mitchell Santner was superb. What what a classy bowler he is. What a classy cricketer he is. And he came in early in the piece. And that was clearly a gamble, a, a plan that he would be their third bowler, their third most effective bowler, and that they'd get him in there as a first change um, equivalent of a seamer. Uh, I think he was in after about seven or eight overs. And he changed the the tone, really, and the dynamic of, of England's England's first 20 overs because he was just so classy. Uh, it's, so, it's, yeah, he did really, really well, Latham. He, he ran it. Ran it really, really well. Impressive. The only bowler who really got away from him a bit was was Nisham. The rest did a, mm. did a brilliant job. It's just it's worth remembering as well that very different conditions, slightly different personnel. But the last three games that England New Zealand played in the ODI series, England won by 100 runs, 181 runs, and 79 runs. Mm. So for New Zealand to come out and play like that, and I wonder we're going to come on to this, I think. But Owen Morgan was quite critical of England not going hard enough. I wonder if England thought we don't need. 340, 350. Why should we go for that when, mm. you know, when actually 300, 310 might be enough and then they ended up slipping below that? Mm. Absolutely. Just on Santner, um, he's one of those really low-key, brilliant ODI players. Mm. Over 94 games, obviously someone who's solely played in, in the modern era, um, an economy rate of, of comfortably under five runs and over. And I just thought it was really impressive how adaptable he was. He bowled at different phases of the innings against different players and similarly effective throughout. Yeah, two for 37 um, in yeah. 10 against that setup, um, bowling early in the innings. Superb. Anyway, a great day for New Zealand, less so for England. We'll talk about their <laughs> nightmare start to the tournament in part two. Um, Met asks, do you have any access to mind wiping so we can forget that this happened? Uh, Neil asks, never mind the format, uh, are England well-placed for the inaugural 100 World Cup? Well, in, in answer to the first one, um, just do this job for 20 years and you forget about it <laughs> the following morning anyway. <laughs> 
You'll remember this game, I think. Um, Owen Morgan said at the interval that England didn't land enough punches on New Zealand with the bat. He thought they could have gone harder, something he said again after the game. Um, Joe, what do you make of that? New Zealand obviously showed that Paul was probably more than 280, but equally England lost wickets playing a lot of attacking shots. Um, your, your moment of the day was that with that Brook dismissal and he obviously went 4-4-6 out against Ravindra. Um, do you think that's fair from, from Morgan? Or is it just that New Zealand just bowled way better than England did? Well, New Zealand definitely bowled way better than England did. Uh, I think... A lot of it, I thought, was poor execution. It's, you know, intent is quite a hard one to judge. Uh, you know, New Zealand bowled well. Milan's strike rate is low, but Henry had the better of him. He wasn't just sitting there blocking it. Uh, he, he just couldn't get his shots away. Bairstow was perhaps unusually timid given the start he had hitting the second ball of the game for six. Didn't really get go on from there and his dismissal was odd. He, he obviously wasn't trying to hit it there, but he also just kind of chipped it where actually you think if he'd belted that, he might have just cleared the ropes. So I, I don't know. I think that's a tricky one. I, I think they batted poorly, definitely. But when I look at some of those shots, it seems like bad execution rather mm. than necessary than intent. Harry Brooks being a classic example. I mean, that, that was Ravindra's first over. Uh, his day was looking like it might not be such a good one at that <laughs> stage because it was a horrible over. Went Terrible. for 15 runs. Yeah. Uh, kept dragging it down. Uh, Brook hit a half tracker for four, then another drag down for four. Then another for six over mid-wicket, finally middling one. Uh, yeah, and at that point, it's looking horrendous for Ravindra. And he bowls another short ball. And Brooks, eyes light up and he he hits, he hits mm. picks out the fielder at, uh, on the leg side boundary. And, and, but again, the shot was definitely on. It, it was a very bad ball. Uh, maybe it stuck in the wicket a little bit, got underneath it. Uh and he was furious with himself when he came off. And at that point, you know, England's start wasn't electric, but it was 94 for two in the 17th over at that point. That, that was, a, it was a pretty good start, really. Uh, and even then, Root and Butler have a nice partnership. It's not explosive, but it was a good partnership. England well set. But as soon as um, Butler went, England didn't really get a sniff after that point. Mm, definitely. I, I think what Morgan is getting at is something that I don't think England can actually do anything about. I think so much of their success under Morgan and during the 2019 in particular was Jason Roy was a huge part of it. Just how quickly prime Jason Roy started. I was looking yesterday comparing the 2019 squad to 2023. And in that run of three games that England had to win to get to the final, Roy and Bairstow put on 407 runs going at sevens together across those three games. That That is something that however good Milan is, he, he, he isn't really that, sort of player and Roy well, no, no opening partnership had ever done that I mean that's, exactly yeah. exactly yeah. and you look at some of those games and actually the rest of the team didn't have to do that well to win because they got these amazing head starts almost and Roy I'm not saying for a second Roy should be in the team over the last four years he hasn't been able to reproduce that but that was that was such a super strength of that England side and they're not able to replicate it um would, would you want do you want a, a, a bullshit hot take go on of it? go on I think uh that Not really sold it, but but <laughs> well, you know, it's nonsense, isn't it? You know, you just, people make it up as they go along, obviously. Uh, but if Stokes is fit for the next game, then he comes back, mm. and the assumption is that Harry Brook doesn't play, and I think that might happen in the next game. But if David Milan struggles a bit, uh, and I, I agree with Joe, by the way, I don't think there was any issue around intent. He, he just came up against Matt Henry, who was too good for him today. Mm. Um, and I don't think I think that can happen to anyone in that scenario, but anyway. 
I can see Harry Brook opening the batting by the end of the tournament or by mm. the middle of the tournament. I can see that happening. And the reason being what we're talking about here, they, they hedged their bets today. They played a little bit like the England of old, a little bit cagey. That was the word that Joe Root used, actually. And he used it in the context of opening games being a bit cagey. Uh, if you give up 280 in about 36 overs, it's hard to say that it was cagey. <laughs> But I know what he means. Mm. But nonetheless, this is how England um, don't like to play. And yet they did today. Um, mm. And there were there were mitigating circumstances around it. New Zealand bowled brilliantly. Mm. Uh, but that kind of caginess um, is not in the brochure of this England team. Do you think it's harsh on Milan that he's the person yeah. that is identified with this? Because I people do. listening to this will be like, hang on, this is a guy who's averaged 60. He's got hundreds in five series in a row. Surely he's not the problem. I, I, I do. Why, why I do. is it that he's the person? I do, but um, he's a he's a streaky player. And look, I, I, I was picking him for this game and I'll pick him for the next game. And I think he, he was fabulous last month under pressure to get into this squad for sure. But there's a possibility because he is susceptible to to confidence issues and runs of low scores when things aren't quite working out for him. And he's very self-conscious, I think, in that England kit. And he felt comfortable in it a few weeks ago. But this is a different story now. And I want him to go out and make a make a classy 70 and 60 balls, which he's entirely capable of doing. And, and then we just move on. But what Morgan was saying today wasn't directed specifically at Milan, but it's directed at that that theory right and uh it might be a non-story but if it if it doesn't work out for him in the next two or three innings then i think england will have to think right well you've got harry brooks sitting on the bench assuming that he does make way for stokes and that stokes is fit and brook is your one most obvious point of difference in that top four right is is and you saw it today you know he only faced 16 balls but he stuck four of them for four and one of them for six and then balls up when he should have just had a bit more brain about him, you know. Mm. But again, he is your obvious difference maker in that top four. Mm. Um, I, I thought England were a bit too match-uppy, if that's a word. They they seem content not taking that many runs off the main three New Zealand bowlers and then almost overcompensated when the change bowlers came on. I mean, losing three wickets to, as you said earlier, Phillips and Ravindra, who Ravindra actually bowled pretty poorly and, and Phillips didn't have to do much to take his two wickets. Um, Stu asks, not really a factor today, but do you think England's batting order is wrong? Would Moeen at three mix things up rather than rather than um, and at five? Um, then a couple of all-rounders later, later on. Brook at four looks a big ask, especially with a couple of early wickets. Different with Stokes, maybe. Yeah, possibly. I don't think Moeen at three. I don't really fancy that. I, I, a lot of England players had a bad day. Moen was, you know, near the top of that list. His, you know, his bowling was no more expensive than other bowlers and was more economical than some, but that was a really poor dismissal. He, he had his chance today. Well, he came in at five, didn't he? I know that's not three, but he had loads mm. of overs to, to bat. And I said in the, our previous show that he hasn't shown much evidence of playing proper innings of substance for a while now. So mm. I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if he slips out of the side when, when Stokes is, is fit anyway. That's not a bad shout, actually. Mm. That's not a bad shout. That makes sense based on what we've seen today. Um, 11 from 17 with one boundary four when he's almost used as a sort of floating like pinch hitter for a, for 20 minutes, right? Because you don't hang an innings ever on Moeen. But, so that was that's a starkly um, off-kilter innings as was Livingston's as well 20 what was, yeah 20 from 22 three boundaries 
um, got, got, clang- got he- clanged on the helmet first up. Yeah. And the shot he got out to was was limp, really, really limp. He just chipped one up to long on. Yeah, I thought he just complete got completely done by Bolt. Bolt came on and bowled four dots to him, changed the pace a lot. Um, Livingston was in decent rhythm, and I think he just very, very quickly got frustrated, ended up playing a shot I don't think he was going to play previously. Um, but that is a problem, though, because he's going to come is, up definitely, against... Definitely, You know, the best bowlers, Stark, Bolt, Bumrah, they bowl three, then they bowl two, then they bowl two, then they bowl three. And... He is, he is a middle-order fulcrum for this team. Mm. So you're going to have to have to expect that. Mm. Um, Root got runs. Root that did get runs. That is some good news. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much the only good news from the day. Mm. Uh, I don't think any of us were too concerned about Root's form, really. But, you know, it's good that he's found some so early in the tournament. Yeah, definitely. Um, as good as Conway and Ravindra were, England were really poor with the ball. Wokes offered quite a few hit-me balls up top. Curran after a couple of good overs first up. Uh, also, uh, Wood went at 11s, and it, it wasn't as if his pace was down. He was still hitting 95 miles per hour. Rashid's threat was easily negotiated. Joe, do you think this was just rustiness? or And if it is rustiness, is this the sort of rustiness that you think in a week's time will be fine? Or are you more concerned going forward? I mean, those three names you mentioned are all stunningly good bowlers. So, no, I'm not, I'm not, uh, <laughs> not too worried, really. I mean, if we're talking about rustiness, you would say... Rashid and Wood haven't had a lot of cricket in the lead up, so that might be uh, to be expected. Uh, you know, I, I'm not too concerned about England's chances. I don't really think this defeat, whatever happened today, I don't think it was going to say, yes, England are going to go on and be tight. I, I, don't, I don't think we know. And I think they will, st- I still think they'll get to the semi finals. I think they'll win enough of their games to get through to the semi finals. Uh, but they're obviously going to have to play hugely better than they did today but you know for, for England fans who are concerned I guess you can look back at the last two World Cup wins neither of which were done in the easy way at all both of which involved uh, sort of heart to hearts where players said we're not performing in the way that we should or not in the style that we should uh, and I don't think they'll have a, a conversation to that extent after one match but I think we'll see England come out really hard in mm. the next match Bang- Bangladesh on Tuesday you know it's Bangladesh are one of the weaker sides in the competition they can still beat England but it's a good game for England to have next I think mm. they always do that in football world cups don't they when England draw the opening game they go oh England drew the opener in 66 this, this is a good sign um, Phil were you surprised that Sam Curran was the third seamer over Reese Topley I guess it was a almost a 50-50 call between the two of them um, I thought I thought Curran would play Perhaps ahead of Moeen, actually, as I said the other day. Um, Topley, to me, is a superior white ball bowler than than Curran, uh, certainly across a number of games. I like Curran in, in, in any cricket team uh, for the, the suite of skills that he offers you. But I think Topley out there would be really useful. Um, and I was surprised he, wasn't, he didn't make the cut. Uh, I think there was a sameness to England's seam attack. Um, and I think that different... Traje- trajectory. I always struggle on that one. That different angle of attack, uh, and he's in form as well, and he's fit. I think Atkinson as well will definitely play and, and, and come into into the the fray at some point. It was just a it was a horror show, but sometimes it goes like that. It starts badly and it gets worse, mm. right? And it's very hard for a spinner. Um, Rashid didn't bowl badly, but still was milked six and a half, seven and over on a big ground on a flat track when you're not defending anything. Then that's natural in a way mm. that's that's the way it's going to go um i wouldn't be 
getting too panicky just yet, but they definitely look short of a gallop for sure. And they, they will, and they are. The net run rate swing could be significant. Um, that's quite hard to overturn, even over eight games. And um, England now have a really crucial run of games against Bangladesh, Afghanistan, South Africa and Sri Lanka. Uh, you feel like they, they probably have to win all of them. We reckon that you can get away with losing three games and still qualify for the semi-finals as England did in 2019. Um, but any more than that, um, you're really uh, in trouble. Um, stat of the day, for the first time in the history of ODI cricket, every player from 1 to 11 got to double figures. That was what England did, obviously. Um, and then in stark contrast, um, not a single <laughs> New Zealand player ended on double figures. Young got a first ball and the other two got centuries. Um, make of that what you will. Can I have, um, another, can I have another stat? Go for um, it. Contextless. Uh, it's seven players between 33 and 36 England fielded today. Uh, eight if you include Root, who's 32. Um, that's quite an old team, isn't it? It is. It's the classic. And this happens in World Cups of all sports. If they go on and win it, it's all oh, that experience, absolutely crucial. And if they like fluff their lines, then it's well, you can't win a World Cup with players are too old, can you? So, <laughs> yeah, it, it, but it, is, it, it, it is, was it, just striking to me. It was, it was striking. It's to also me. an old team when you think of how much like astonishingly good young talent there is out there. But then you look through the team and you say, well, who who shouldn't be there? And, oh, and, sure. and there's and there's you know indeed. no one really. In, indeed, mm. and perhaps it's meaningless. Um, but I I felt it a bit when I was watching the ODI series here that you know with Stokes was Can't clearly move. struggling when he made 180 didn't he but then he was really struggling in the field and best those also and, historically and, one of your best fielders isn't as mobile as he used to be yeah M- M- Milan is it's 36 but you know he fields in the ring because he can't mm. he's not that quick across the ground so Root and Rashid anymore. have never been great athletes yeah and there was an there was a moment towards the end obviously the game was long gone but you know Moeen sort of flopped on a ball went through him at mid-off and and those sorts of things they just sort of creep in mm. potentially mm. hopefully we don't have to talk about any of that and they can go and go off on a good run on some games that they absolutely now have to win feel your moment of the day uh sachin's sachin's exquisite commentary stint uh during england's innings um he's got a he's got a great gift for the mundane hasn't he he's got a sort of genius for for, for the mundane anecdote and I, I wonder if it's necessary right if you've got to keep a billion and more acolytes on side Perhaps you need to sort of narrow your, 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 your sort of your bank of anecdotes to things about buckles, pads, and you know changing your bat once in a game and stuff like that. Yeah, but he says it as if there's like a profundity behind right. each story. No, exactly. Um, he he also he he actually reminds me of the Queen in a weird in a weird way, and that he gets he, he gets wheeled out for very special occasions. Yeah. And I think part of how he maintains his almost deified image in India is actually he he doesn't do the the, the shit that everyone else does. Right. Like even like Gavaskar right. does, does all this stuff. Capital Dev does. Did you see the video of him getting um, abducted the other week? Yeah. yeah. What, was, what was the conclusion of um, that? Some marketing thing. You know, Sachin right. would do that. He's good Sa- actor, though. Sachin he looked genuinely would, terrified. <laughs> genuinely <laughs> terrified. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- that comparison is immaculate from you, Yaz, because the Queen bizarre as it is <laughs> like the sort of physical embodiment of an idea right of a yeah. dream of, a, of, a, of an aspiration um and so she is kind of imprisoned by that and so hence the delicate little quiet voice and mm. and and the sort of the, the faux profundities that come out of out mm. of her mouth and it's exactly the same with Sachin isn't it mm. and and that kind of sort of a master cast in uh, neutrality really. yeah, Ma- yeah. Man- managing yeah. to say quite a lot right. without yeah. venturing an opinion that's a good point yeah 
And he's this perfect sort of intersection between cricket, television, and money in 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 contemporary India, right? Mm. And you know, and so so he occupies this unique, rarefied position, and to do it in at the Modi Stadium as well, yeah. you know, nationalistic fervor around it, all, and all, you know, he's this perfect sort of symbol of contemporary India. I, I thought Ian Smith and Ian Bishop, as he was talking about buckles over the course of about five or six minutes, looked at him with both kind of reverence and complete and utter boredom. They managed to combine the two. Yeah. I, I thought Ian Smith... For, for those who didn't hear it, the story literally, he had buckles on his pads and then eventually <laughs> changed to Velcro. <laughs> and that was it. Uh, I thought Ian Smith was, was audibly a little bit frustrated because the cricket was really good at that point and New Zealand were doing quite well yeah. and he really wanted to talk about it. Mm, yeah. um, but, but Buckles, um, very quick. We, we, worth, worth mentioning, by the way, a few yeah. minutes after that, though, um, press release drops in, in, the, in our inbox and it's actually fronting up a campaign to get kit and equipment around the, the world to grassroots cricket clubs and so on and so on, or like a partnership with a like haulage company or something, I don't know. Um, so you know th- that's what he does. He he, he does mm. these queen-like good exactly. Good that, that, schemes. That's another yeah. reason why the comparison yeah. holds. Uh, very quickly, tomorrow is Netherlands Pakistan. Netherlands in their first World Cup game in twelve years. Pakistan coming into it off the back of four losses in a row. Joe, this has obviously got a major upset written all over it. Uh, if that does happen, Baz the leader could be a big part of it. Yeah, really good cricketer. Uh, Durham fans would have loved what they've seen from him this summer. He had a great year. For them, uh, he was the main reason that Netherlands were in this tournament. Uh, took a fifer and scored a hundred against Scotland. Uh, and we interviewed him for the latest issue. You interviewed him for the latest issue. Mm. That was you. It was me. Yeah, N- okay. nice fella. Only four times any- anyone ever done that. Made a hundred and t- taken a fifer in an ODI, and they had to do it quickly against Scotland as mm. well to get it in the run rate, and pulled it off. Um, he's just a very chipper young lad, you know thrilled and surprised that everything's gone so well he was starting the the summer hoping for a a game or two for Durham then he makes I think 200 in the championship they go up and now he's 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 fronting up in a world cup uh if they win gotta be up there with the absolute biggest world cup shocks right I think so can you beating West Indies or yeah yeah definitely if if they win one game it's it's a it's a really good achievement if they win Mm. two then it's 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 throwing this tournament into beautiful chaos. Mm. Uh, in, that, in that interview, Delita said, I think there's 6,500 cricketers in the Netherlands, which, wow. you know, you put that in context against who they're playing, uh, where cricket is obviously an obsession. Uh, he I, says I, himself, it is a very niche sport. Yeah, and I, I said to him, you know, if you do really well, will, will it in, in, increase the interest? Popularity said, nah. Nah. I like the honesty. (laughs) Um, Also, four years ago when the last World Cup was going on, Dalida was playing club cricket in Surrey against my club. So, you know, me and Dalida have played at the same level of cricket as adults. And and I'm not close to World Cup cricket. Did you play against him yourself? I didn't play against him myself, uh, unfortunately. Lucky for him. Um, Phil, (laughs) if if someone wants to read that interview with Dalida for cheap, yeah. How, what, how do they do 99p that? 99p but that plus 115 other pages yeah uh you just want to you, you want to go on to probably twitter would be the easiest way to do it these days right because there's various tweets up there mm. on the wisdom account uh and it we'll, we'll pin it that's what we'll it. do. We'll pin it. 99p top is very cheap. I wasn't in the office yesterday and then i saw this offer it's like what what's going on you almost just, just it? giving it away i, I actually <laughs> did buy it just to check yeah. that it was working okay. okay. Yeah, and I ended up reading quite a lot of it, probably more than I did in the first place. <laughs> You're expensive, that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, look, listen, 99p for the World Cup 
preview issue. It's been out for a week or two, but it's very fresh, very relevant. 46 pages of World Cup stuff and all the rest of it. Including interview with Devin Conway. Including a Devin Conway interview with Jim, from Jim. Uh, Jonathan Trott by Mel Farrell was a fascinating piece. He's mm. the coach of Afghanistan, but there's all kinds of stuff in there and it's literally available for 99p. Well, On the Digi version, uh, it's dead good. Absurdly good offer. Thanks for listening, folks. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Joe. We'll be back at the same time tomorrow. Sports Social Podcast Network.